This is Elisa Bell, and I'm here with a good friend of mine, a new good friend of mine, Mr. Marquise Dennis. And I just want to thank you for taking the opportunity or accepting my offer to come and be with us. Listen, I am extremely honored to be able to be here. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. You know, I've been waiting (laughs) for the male version of James Inc., and I think you are it. Bless Go! I'm super excited, super excited. I almost hit what I thought was my DJ airhorn button on my roadcaster. Now, there we go. There we Let's go. go. Yes. There we go. <laughs> well, I want to start out because I, I'll be hot. Okay. Humble, open, and transparent. Ooh, let's when go, I, Mike Todd. I'm I, I'm, I know. When I first met you, I was like, God, what in the world is this going to be? How are we going to mesh? You know, where is his heart? Where is my heart? Do we fit together? Right. So I went out and I did a little bit of research. Oh, really? So I want to start out with what we have in common. And you don't even know that we have these things in common yet. So, okay. Um, the first similarity is we were both raised in stepfather homes. Mm. Alcoholism was a part of that journey for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, both Born and raised in North Tulsa. Let's go. Both moved away from that North Tulsa community at a very early age. I think you said 10. Mm-hmm. And I was around 10 also. We didn't move as far as Broken Arrow. But from Cincinnati, which is what I grew up with. I know it's MLK, but from Cincinnati Let's and <laughs> Apache, we moved to Harvard and Pine. And it was like a whole, whole new world. world for me. You know, we moved into a predominantly white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. There were maybe eight families total that lived in houses in my neighborhood. Wow. Everyone else lived in uh, Apache Manor apartments. Mm-hmm. So it was a total new world for me from what I grew up in North Tulsa. Um, we both seem to have a huge curiosity of spirit. We just want to know things, want to know what, how, why. We both have well-formed purposes. Uh, Be ethical is yours. Absolutely. Impact the community. Mm-hmm. Add value to others. Let's go. My personal one is to use my personal experiences to encourage serve and help others to grow in hope, truth, and confidence. So all of these similarities, and when I found them, I was like, okay, God, okay, okay, okay. Another thing is both of our missions, yours, celebrating and supporting fathers by equipping them with the tools and resources to lead successful families, Mm. and ours, Leading, expecting, and parenting adolescent families to self-sufficiency. Wow. We both have that lead word in it. So I started out with what we have as similarities. But tell us the specific experience that led you to founding Birthright. So the very specific um, situation that landed me there was, you know, I grew up and, you know, like you said, in North Tulsa, you know, grew up in the height of the ep- uh, crack epidemic. So uh, life was a little different for me. And so when I grew up without a dad, um, a lot of stepfathers, uh, you know, coming in and out, whatever, it caused me to always have like this question of who am I? You know, everybody keeps saying I'm a thing, but I don't know what part of it 
is or isn't. You know, there was glimpses of me and my mom is like stuff that I seen that was like her or that. But then I would have like um, my dad's friends that were still here, people that knew him Mm -hmm. that would see me and say, man, you act just like your dad. And I'd be like, well, what did I do? You know, and so I would spend so much time trying to figure out what that was. And so when I, you know, of course, got older, I was like, oh, I'll never be like him. I'll do this different. I'll do that different. Well, with that God-sized hole that I had in my in my heart, I found myself on a journey to not one, not two, but three children outside of marriage with three different mothers. Um, <clears throat> arguably, you know, the situations and circumstances were kind of wonky on a couple. But at the end of the day, I made the choice to be in those situations to make it happen. Uh, so I've had to learn that, you know, as a, as a father, just responsibility is part of what it is. And in, in the world, the way that it's set up as a man, you know, it's your responsibility, no matter how you feel about it. Um, so in that process, uh, the third child that I had, I was holding him one day and I said, you know, wouldn't it be nice if I could just be a dad all the time? Not just when she doesn't have a boyfriend or when they're not mad at me or when they feel like, you know, there's this, that, and the other going on. Wouldn't it be crazy if I could just be a dad? And then I thought to myself, I said, well, what does that even look like? You know, I don't spend enough time with my child to be able to even develop. And so this voice came to me at the time. I didn't know, you know, I wasn't living in the, in the, in the, in the spiritual realm at the time, not even close to it. So at the time when I was thinking about it, the voice says to me, okay, well, what does that look like? So then I started saying, well, we have, you know, I, at the time I had a condo downtown. And so I was looking at the old YMCA building. And so I was like, well, if we had a building like that, what we could do is, and then I started, you know, giving these ideas and he's like, all right, well, what about this? Well, what about, and so I started having this conversation of what obstacles uh, could a father encounter in order to be able to see their kids no matter what, that the court system would say, you know what, because of this, we will allow you to be in your child's life. And it doesn't matter how anybody feels on any side. Mm -hmm. This is a safe space for the child who is supposed to be the most important can receive what they need in order to be a productive uh, citizen in America. So, you know, and, the, and the, so when we started to look through that lens, when I started to look through that lens, I started to try to figure out, well, how do I get the money to come up with something like that? Mm-hmm. And being a kid from North Tulsa, street world was all I knew. So I went to Mexico and, and tried to make it happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, so I was in the mission, I was on a mission to actually do it. Um, and, 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 and that just, you know, goes to show you how crazy my mindset was instead of thinking, you know, who do I need to contact? How do my, my, you know, immediate thought was I need to sell drugs to (laughs) raise money to create this organization. Cause Mm -hmm. that was the level of um, competency that I had at the Mm -hmm. time. Cause I knew school wasn't an option. Mm -hmm. You know, people laughed at me and had fun. Like I was a class clown. I was the guy that you wanted to know. I was popular, but when it came to report cards and grades, it just wasn't there because I didn't have that stable home that you need in order to be able to thrive in school. So that was, uh, in a nutshell, uh, some of the things that really have helped me to uh, get to the point of founding. That's really uh, interesting. I heard three things. And again, 
additional similarities between you and I. I have three children, three different fathers, married to my third child's husband. We've been married, my third child's husband. <laughs> married to my third child's father. We've been married now for almost 26 years, been Let's together for 27 years. So I've had the opportunity to be a single parent and also a married parent and mm-hmm. um, have some rich experiences because of it. But also what I heard, and lucky, luckily for me, my stepfather was a functioning alcoholic. I didn't live in a loud alcoholic household. Mm-hmm. My stepfather went to work every day, provided for us. Nope. I was my mom's only child. Uh, I'm my dad, my bio dad's oldest child. I knew both of them. Actually, my um, paternal grandparents live in the 600, 500 block of Young Street. My maternal grandparents lived in the 600 block. So there were literally 10 houses separating the two. Wow. And yet, I still didn't know who I was. Wow. Still was always searching for and trying to fit in and mm-hmm. which part of the family am I in? You know, so I get that. I oh, get yeah. that. I get that search. Um, really, 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 really interesting to me. I'm glad you brought it up because it's one of the things that we talk about here uh, at Birthright. And so one of the things, if you could just read that part for me. That's a question that I have on my list. Oh, it's a question. You get your values from mom, attitude, beliefs, ethics, morals, manners, and ideals. You get your value from your dad, worth, merit, and and importance. And my question Uh was, uh and and look, I have to find it. I know I have it here. I know I have it here. I said as a daddy's girl, because even though I didn't live with my daddy, Mm -hmm. I idolized my dad. Uh, My mom had a real hard time with that because her perspective of a dad and a husband and a father was very different. And and for me, my dad was just my dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom, of course, had the added uh, concern that he wasn't doing as well as he should do where I was concerned. So I always had to walk that tightrope of loving him, but honoring her. But you know what the issue is, though? Mm -hmm. Women have no idea what a father brings to raising children. And most men don't either. That's where the issue is, is because there's not an understanding. You know, in times before, there used to be very clear divided lines of what is what. But now no no longer does anyone, and I would say women or men, no one values, there's not a, a value in raising children. So what has been adopted is this notion that, well, I'll let you in his life or her life as long as you parent the way I think so. And so when, when you do that, you're relegating the parenting experience for the child to only be through a mother's lens. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think about it. When you say parent these days, you're not talking about mothers and fathers. You're talking about mom. They say, oh, your parents, let me talk to your parents. No, you're talking about your mom. Mother and father are absolutely intrinsically valuable. So 
most of the kids today did not get an opportunity to have both parents or to even be able to have both parents co-parent. And so what that does is that puts an inordinate amount of stress on one parent. So then the only thought is you need to be doing the same or above what I am currently doing. But it's not possible because men, excuse me, are just not the same, you know. And I so get that. Um, Like I said, I've parented with a father Mm -hmm. and without a father, my kids. And I didn't even understand that. My husband helped me to understand that in ways that he doesn't even realize. Mm -hmm. He helped me. Um, I remember, and I think I told this story, I remember... um, took me and my husband seven years to buy a bedroom set. set. Yeah, yeah. A bedroom <laughs> set. My husband hates to shop. Mm-hmm. So he would say, you go and yeah. you look. Ooh. But what am I, as the mother, looking at? Aesthetics. Mm-hmm. What does it look like? How does it look? Is it going to look nice in my room? Do I put blue with it? Do I put gray with it? So I would go find the perfect bedroom set. Mm-hmm. And he would walk in, and two minutes later, he'd be like, nope. Yeah, because he's shaking it for stability. Because he's shaking it for yep. stability. And it took us <laughs> seven years. He's look, he's crawling under it. He's looking at yeah. the dovetail construction. He's looking at all of these things. And when I clued in to what he was doing, then it, the next bedroom set we were able to buy because I knew what he was looking right. for, and I knew what I was looking for. So when I brought and it I'll to say the table. It, I'll say it a little different. You knew the value that he brought to the table in addition to the desires that you and the value you brought to the table. Exactly. And I think as men and women, we never get to the point to understand the value that the individual is bringing before uh-huh. the kids come. Yeah, because in society, we're taught that you lose because I win. Mm-hmm. And that is a lack mentality. The, the the difference is, is that you're valuable and I'm valuable. Mm-hmm. Period. Whether, you know, the, the outward circumstances don't determine that. Now, I might have more capacity than you or you might have more capacity than me. That that's you know, that's that, that's one of those things that you can see it or not see it. It's, it's up to you because we could look at, like, say, Elon Musk. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To you, you could say he's been divorced. He doesn't he's not there for his kids. You know, he doesn't have as much value as he thinks. You know, I could think, oh, man, this dude could buy and sell my whole life. He has a ton of value, Absolutely. not because of the money, but because of the ability of change that he can in, interact. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that bedroom suit that you're talking about. So people start to argue about subjective thoughts that don't matter. Mm-hmm. When we really boil it down, if I value you as a person first mm-hmm. and then start to build on that to say, okay, you're a person, so you have value. Oh, now you're the mother of my children. Now you have even more value because you have a personal value. See, now it changes Mm -hmm. and I have to treat you different. My empathy for you is different. And my opinion of you should, and you know, just say, Mm -hmm. be careful. You might should all over yourself. (laughs) Um, But I should treat you in a way that reflects that and vice versa. Absolutely. And if we get to the point where people start to see Dads and moms are valuable, but most importantly, they're both like you can't even be a mom without a dad. 
Well, and that's what people don't without a mom. Exactly. But that's what people don't realize. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. takes both. Mm -hmm. Both to create this child. Mm -hmm. And if we're looking at well-being of said child, then we have to remove ego. We have to remove finance. We have Mm -hmm. to remove all. We have to say, okay, what is the best? Because what I've learned in my studies, it doesn't matter religion, doesn't matter race, doesn't matter sex, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter any of that stuff. The well-being of your child their future, their mm-hmm. education, those things are intrinsic to everyone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've not met anyone that says, you know what? If my kid could grow up stupid, that'd be great. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what no I mean? No one like, does that. At all. All right, I'm going to chime in. I just have a question for you, which is, it took, what, seven years to get the bedroom set? Yes. At any point in those seven years, we were like, if you care so much about this, you have to come shopping with me. Otherwise, your opinion isn't as important. You were the one spending the time going to shop. No. Okay. No, no. And it wasn't that because I understood how much he disliked shopping. My anger was that he could not explain to me why Why? it wasn't working. And it wasn't until I stopped and observed Mm. what he was doing that it clued in for me. Oh, this isn't about him just not wanting to buy a bedroom suit yeah. or not liking the bedroom suit. He's looking at it completely differently yeah. than I am. He's looking at a protection, a longevity, an investment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus you're looking at aesthetics. Ex- and and like I said, it takes both. It takes both. That's I mean, you can't sell a house that's unsturdy. But you also can't sell a house that's not looking good. Exactly. It takes the interior director and the contractor. Exactly. But that's why I say it's very interesting that these days that people don't have an understanding of what fathers bring to the table. They don't understand the rough and tumbling actually develops the child's brain. They don't understand that causing a child to cry and then helping them get over it helps them with conflict resolution. Like, so when you start to see a dad doing those things as a mother, especially a mother that is only allowing this child to see their dad once or twice mm-hmm. a month, mm-hmm. you see that or you hear the, the that he's crying, you're like, yeah, yeah, and it changes. He doesn't, he may not be able to explain to you what I just said Mm -hmm. because he might not even know that that's a thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much of this is because of sort of the stereotypical idea of what we think manhood is and how it's not about communicating feelings or desires? Well, see, I love that you said that is how much of it is based on that ideal, right? What I'm saying to you is, as she just explained, whether he knows that he's doing it or not, it's going to happen. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so what people have tried to do is they've tried to brand it as being toxic. So now instead of being who I'm created to be, I have to on purposely try to think about a thing I didn't even know was a part of me. And then I have to try to shut it down mm. to please someone else. And then you want me to be real. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't work that way. It's not to say that every man does these things, but I promise you the roughing and tumbling it like when you get your own child, there is a part of your brain that will not even open until you start to take care of a child that cannot take care of itself that belongs to you. And so the opinion of a single man about these issues is really hard because they've never experienced that 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 opening. You know what I mean? Like you could be a, a you know, a, a motorcycle daredevil, but the moment you hold your daughter in your hands, you're like, you know, I might want to sell that thing. 
But you know, that that brings me to another Craig story. My Shout out uh, to Craig. Shout out Craig. Craig. He's gonna be like Lisa. Don't <laughs> talk about me. Talking about me. <laughs> but that's all I can talk about because that's who I know is my family. Yeah. However, Craig was the, our daughter was Craig's first child. Mm-hmm. She came about a month early. I had no idea how terrified he was. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm this mother, I'm all wrapped up in the other emotions. And so she comes a, a month early. She's in the NICU. She's six pounds, in the, um, five pounds and 13 ounces. So she's the biggest baby in the NICU, but she's in the NICU nevertheless. So we're all down. And, of course, they're getting ready to take her out. And uh, she's so small, and Craig is a big man, and I could just physically see that he was nervous. And so I step up to take the baby, and the nurse turns around and puts the baby in his hand before he can even say anything. I'm so glad. And I saw him melt. Yes. I saw him melt. So I I get, I tell that story to say I get it. I never understood that connection because that was not part of our story. And this is why we put this in here. Exactly. This is exactly what, no, this part. The connection. See, because mothers get nine months to develop, to mature, to um, understand that their body's changing, that rules have to change, Mm -hmm. thought has to change, even their desires for food. Like my wife loved coffee. Mm-hmm. And could not drink a drop while she was on while she was pregnant. Not mm-hmm. because of the health, but it literally tasted like hot garbage to her. Mm-hmm. And so when I say you don't have a choice as a mother, but as a father, that moment that you just described for your husband, mm-hmm. that is a irreplaceable monumental moment. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you if you go back on the podcast with the dads that we've talked to, that is exactly what they say. They're like, man, I was stressing. I was freaking out. I was panicking. And then they put the baby in my hands. Mm -hmm. And I thought, whatever it takes, Mm -hmm. I will make it happen Mm -hmm. in that moment. Because there's a portion of their brain that is just imagine when your leg goes numb and you're like, ah, ah, and you can't walk. Now you have blood flow. Mm -hmm. And now these thoughts and ideas and things, all these things you've learned and observed from your fathers or the people that have stepped in before, the the advice, the things that they said come flooding in and you go, I have to do better. Mm. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, And, you know, we I've been working with young parents for a number of years, probably 25, 30 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, But another story to illustrate that in my working with this uh, young couple at in high school, uh, we were over at East Central. Okay, East Central. The two parents were in front of me. And so we were I was just interviewing them. Mm -hmm. And the question was, she was still pregnant. He's there. And the question was, what are you going to do (laughs) this summer? after the baby is born. Mm -hmm. And the mom is like, oh, I'm just going to bond with the baby and I'm going to do all of these things, X, Y, Z. And I turned to him with the exact same question. And without thinking, he said, play basketball and video games. Absolutely. And she looked at him. And was probably livid. Oh, and I mean, get a job. (laughs) No, 
So that just really illustrates once again that that male has not had the opportunity to make that connection. It's not even real yet. In the same way that the that the female has in most cases. But going back to what we talked about at first, um, as a daddy's girl, I understand how my dad gave me my value or we see our dads as giving our girls value. They open the doors for their girls. They treat their girls um, so much more, so so differently than their boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand as a woman the value that a man gives and, and how he gives her her value and her worth. But how does that happen with his male child? Ooh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so it goes back to exactly what Jesse said. There is a perception that is out there that says this is what a man is. As a matter of fact, at our last fatherhood meeting, I said, let's talk about what it looks like to transition from boyhood to manhood. And we wrote down all of what people have been told. Do you know what the number one answer was to transferring from boyhood to manhood was? Sex. When you get laid. And I said, Wow. What's crazy is we all heard it, you know, like we all heard it, Mm -hmm. but nobody quantified the information as to where did we hear it? You know, we couldn't, we just knew it was a resounding gong of boom, this Mm -hmm. is when. It's it's in culture. Like think about movies, especially like teenage movies, Mm -hmm. right? It's always like, like. I'm a once, man now. Yeah, once the protagonist has sex, like all his friends, like you're a man now. And yeah, yeah. It's so, but again, where did that start from exactly? Right. Exactly. Well, so, when you ask what value does he bring, now Jesse doesn't have to ask his friends. He doesn't have to care. He watched it. He watched what a father does whenever his dad is in the home. He gets to see how that is carried out. Even as a boy, watching my dad treat my sister different, mm-hmm. that is going to ingrain into me this is what I should do to live up to my and it's very key that we understand every unique set of fingerprints Mm -hmm. creates a unique set of fingerprints Mm -hmm. I cannot prescribe to you what is going to work for Jesse that is going to work for your like every child within your home is different let alone absolutely so when I'm saying this please take it with a broad stroke of understanding that The father adds value by helping a son to understand the maturity levels, expectations, um, accountability, responsibility, um, how to properly, if they're doing it right, how to properly express, feel, and and, and process emotions, um, being able to show them what it looks like to be um, on time, what it looks like to, you know what I mean? Like work ethic. There's mm-hmm. all sorts mm-hmm. of just underlying things that are caught and so not taught. He's reinforcing those moral lessons he's, that hopefully you're getting. He should be reinforcing the value that the son already knows intrinsically okay. because the DNA is in him. Right. Cause like I said, if your dad is a super arts person, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. It's almost guaranteed you're going to be in that vein. But imagine if you are a young man that let's just say is, is, is a, is a heterosexual, right. Mm-hmm. But all you know is that, non-heterosexual men are in the arts world. 
Mm-hmm. Now you're going to be fighting yourself mm-hmm. thinking, oh, man, something's wrong with me mm-hmm. because I don't. But then the moment you meet your dad, you're going to go, that's why that's I do I that. Am. That's who I am. Oh, my gosh. That's and it just takes so many years of pain. Mm-hmm. And I say this because this happened with me and my dad. My dad was into music. I just thought I liked music. Like he plays in bands and all that stuff. He's like out there. I just love music. I, I don't play. I mean, I got a drum set and all that, but mm-hmm. I'm not the guy to call if you want to, you know, yeah. I'll play, but I'm just not that good. Uh, I, I want a matrix play. I want to just know how to do it and be great, but I'm not going to practice. <laughs> but when I met him, there was so many things that I would see and I would say, Hey, hey, do you realize how many nights of crying you could have saved me? Mm. Do you have any idea how many nights of of, of crazy? Because I didn't meet him until I was 11 or 14. So there was all these years that I was going around wondering how and why I feel this way. Mm. You know, my friends were just, you know. Two things. Two go things. Ahead. First, I want to say that I don't want that to come out as just an issue for the absentee father Mm -hmm. because there are some fathers who are in the home and and that value Mm -hmm. isn't being transferred to the kids or that understanding. And so why would that be? That's because he doesn't know his own value uh, or his role Uh in the, in the family too. So, so I mean, that's an excuse for why he doesn't do it. But my point is, we can't just say a father being in the home or not being in the home. See, now those are two different things. Exactly. Absenteeism can happen in the home. Absolutely. And so when we talk about father absentness, you know, there's a lot of kids that had dads in the home that mm-hmm. did not pay attention to, exactly. pay attention to them. Exactly. So when I say absenteeism, that doesn't mean that they're in or out. So out of the home, there is a whole nother a slew of things that you need to know about parenting. Exactly, exactly. And that's the point that I want to make, that absenteeism being both in the home and out of the home. Second thing, though, we can't have this conversation about when boys become men and not have the same conversation for for girls when they become women. Because for us, you become a a woman when you have your first cycle. Correct. No, you just have your first cycle. When you have your first cycle, it takes many, many years of development to become a woman. So I mean, we, again, that's depending yeah. on who you ask. So we have to start to reformat ah. that conversation with our young So what, what is it going to take for us to do that? I have this answer, so I'm baiting you. What is it going to take? I think uh, we all have to understand that that is the myth that we're per- perpetuating, and then we have to change that in the movies, in the lyrics, and oh, everything lot. that our kids are exposed to. Okay. I'll say it simpler. We okay. have to set a standard. And then absolutely. we have to absolutely have to. And this is one of the things that Birthright is planning on doing. We in America do not have a right to passage way of women and men knowing that they have crossed over into responsibility. That needs to be a clear, concise understanding in the Jewish community. And the, um, I was just going to say like in the yeah. Jewish community, like we, we literally have, you like, have things we, that you have, we to have a do. bar bar mitzvah. Like we are, we are according to our religion, legally adults after that, legally we adults have responsibilities. After that. And again, every, 
every teenager is just like, I can drink now, I can vote. We're like, no, that's not how this works. Yeah. There's uh, still the law, but yeah. you are legally able to say, you have done these things, so I no longer can hear the excuse, well, I didn't know. No, because now you are responsible enough to have accomplished these things to make sure that I know that you know that I know that you are capable and I need to hold you to that to that level. And so bar mitzvahs, I used to DJ bar and bat mitzvahs all the time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I seen it and then I was going to keep Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. And then I used to do uh, 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 quinceañeras and then I started do and then I started realizing, you know what, in America. As a child, you just get to decide, you know, because most of us grew up too fast anyway uh, by taking care of either our younger ones or our parents being at work Mm -hmm. so much that they're, you know, basically at a loss for how to help us Mm -hmm. because they have to provide or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be. So now we're growing up and then we get to let society tell us when we're grown. Mm -hmm. And rap lyrics tell me that I can do it when I want to. Mm -hmm. You know, I was listening to stuff like Brother Lynch hung at 10, 11 years old. I would, I, you know, what's funny is I listened to what I listened to then now. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, what on earth was going on that I was listening to a cannibalistic gangster <laughs> that was talking about killing and eating people. And that was, that was okay. Like that was okay. Why would they put that out there? Well, and again, it it goes back to the it goes back to the we have to as a society decide what does it really look like for us to consider you not fully grown or Mm -hmm. fully developed, Mm -hmm. but to say, no, you have now passed on to a level of maturity Mm -hmm. where you can no longer be expected to think like, act like, talk like, be like a child. You say that and you heard what was going on in that I thought that was okay. Mm -hmm. But as a mom, I'm like, as a mom, where was I Mm -hmm. that I didn't know what you were listening to? Yeah. At work. Yeah. Because she was a single mom. But even at work, even at work, you know, at some point we still have to be accountable for our children and kind of know what's going on in our household. See, this is this is the other thing that has happened. When I was in school, you used to get SWATs in school Mm -hmm. and they were able to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. And then when it was parent teacher conferences. Those parents, it, it seemed like they was ganging up on you almost. Uh-huh. Like the parent and the teacher, they were just like giving insider information to figure out how to screw me over is what I was thinking. Uh-huh. It doesn't exist anymore. And I'm saying the bond between parents and teachers don't exist anymore. The- There's too much of an argument of who should do what. Most parents today have this expectation that uh, the schools are supposed to raise your children, and Mm. they are not. They They are are supposed to enforce. They're busy. You know what I mean? They're They're supposed to enforce and help aid education of your child. That is it. That is it. So when they have parent-teacher conferences, what should be happening is I should be able to come to you and say, listen, this is what's happening with little Jesse when he comes to school. You know, I don't know what's happening, but this is what I'm missing. And then you say, oh, you know what? It's probably because of this, this, and this. I caught him listening to this, and I told him not so matter of fact, 
okay, I got you. So this is what you should do because this is what helps motivate him when he's with his dad and da da da. So now I'm equipped with some tools mm-hmm. to be able to motivate mm-hmm. and to be able to educate and to in further push forward what you and you know, mm-hmm. dad are doing, mm-hmm. whether you're in the home or out of home, mm-hmm. because both of you are there to give me insight on understanding. Whole nother perspective. Go ahead. Though. Whole nother perspective. And I agree with you. I'm not saying mm-hmm. I don't agree with you, but just like we said that there could be absentee fathers in the home, there could also be absentee mothers in the home. And I think the fact that just because we're working mm-hmm. doesn't give us an excuse to be an absentee parent in the home. It depends. I get it. I it get depends. it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I have always been that nosy mom. Mm-hmm. So you might get away with something for a minute, but mm-hmm. you're not going to get away with it for long yeah. because I'm checking. Let me ask I'm you this. Talking. Let me ask you this. This is, this is the surefire test if you, if, you, if you did. Were you allowed to have your door closed in your house? Absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely That's not. That's how you know you got a real mama. Absolutely. And my mom would take it off the hinges if she caught it shut. Ex- absolutely not. And there were there ain't no, no privacy around here. None. I need everything. None. I need phones on the table. What's happening? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, and I'm that mother. And you should be. <laughs> because the day that I can't open it is the day you don't use it anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but but again, like you said, it, and it's not even really... And I and I want to I want to advocate for the parents here. It's not even because they don't want to, mm-hmm. but because society has decided that children get to make decisions as adults. We have put parents and teachers and lawmakers in a position to where you have to throw your hands up mm-hmm. as a substitute or as a teacher. You are no longer able to. Take a phone from a child and put it in your desk until after class so they can pay attention and not distract anyone else. How on earth is that going to help your child or anyone else push forward? That takes me to one of my next questions. Mm -hmm. What are your expectations of the governor in terms of young parent issues and parenting issues now that the election is over? I'm so glad, too. Uh, So, Doc, uh, me and uh, Governor Stitt have had extensive conversations in and around this space. Um, They had put together a task force ever since um, the Roe versus Wade has been overtaken. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of those efforts have just been towards mothers. Of course, you know, now that the abortion thing, uh, that affects them to a degree the most, but it takes two to create a child. Mm -hmm. What people don't understand is how much emotional damage that causes to a man for a woman to experience that as well. We may not ever express it, Mm -hmm. but it happens. So my expectations of the governor is to one, realize both parents are intrinsically valuable to a child's life. The court system, the legislator, everything only gives rights to mothers in Oklahoma. Changing that to where both parents have an opportunity to raise their children in a safe environment. That is going to be my number one expectation. Okay. Number two, excuse me, helping to support programs like mine. Um, and of course, I'm, you know, like mine, <laughs> but helping support fatherhood programs like mine that are centered around both parents. I don't believe in anything that says 
you know, we need to advocate for dads to be the single father. No, that is, both parents need to be involved. And so when I say organizations like mine that are centered around helping fathers live in their true fatherhood, not what some lady or some societal push has created. I'm saying by a nature versus nurture value that fathers bring. Let there me, are some fathers that are nurturers. Well, and and I was going to say, let, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. There are some fathers who are just going to do that anyway because it's in them and mm -hmm. they want to be dad. And, they're and going I can to tell find, you it's because they have the resources or their mother is allowing it. Okay. Fine. However they mm -hmm. do it, it's, it's, it's okay with me. What do we do for these fathers who have no clue? that they need to be at the table and how do we get them to the table? Because there's just as many fathers who don't take this, res this responsibility in the way that they do. That's why we see so many fathers of multiple children with multiple women and multiple babies mm -hmm. at the same time being born. How do we get those fathers to the table so that they are a part of that Mm -hmm. unit raising good children. Well, again, it goes back to what you said before. We have to change the culture. The culture is the rap music, the pop music is designed for men to have as much promiscuous sex as possible. The music that the young ladies are listening to, the freedom of a woman to step in her own is to now have as much promiscuous sex as possible. Um, as a, you know, uh, non-binary, as a person that's out there uh, trying to discover their gender, the popular idea is that have as much promiscuous sex as possible. And so... Until those ideals are no longer promoted in the way that they are. Mm -hmm. Single motherhood is the highly most incentivized position on planet Earth. They get free cars, houses, daycare. Uh, free cars? I've never I gotten have, a free car, a you free have house, not. a free daycare. You have not, but I have seen many, many people giving. Matter of fact, I get people to donate at places that say, hey, I need this to go to a single mother. Mm -hmm. Specifically. Because the notion is, let me give it to somebody that needs it. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case. The case is not any more, it's not any more onus on the man or the woman. If there are multiple children happening at multiple different levels, that means two people made a decision to do that. Mm -hmm. So we have to address both. We have to address both. And that is the key. We have to get people to understand that. It doesn't matter. Once you create a child, both of you are going to have to figure out whatever you need to do to be in that child's life. So when you ask about these fathers that are out there procreating at a high rate, mm -hmm. they're procreating, one, their value is missing at some point. And I can almost guarantee you by asking them a couple of questions, I will determine that their father was not involved. And the men that were involved we're also taught that this is how you become a man because you got to think back. If Jesse and I are both from completely different backgrounds, completely different raisings as a Jewish man, as a Christian man, but yet we have the same understanding that manhood is through having sex. Why would I not want to be a man? Mm -hmm. 
Do you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, but I also go back to what you said earlier, too. At some point, we as community have to have standards. We do. We have to have And it's standards. not at some point. It's, it's right, right now. now. Mm-hmm. We have to do it right now. But this is the other issue is because who then sets that standard? I, as a Christian black man in America, cannot set a standard for a Jewish white man in America. But you can set a standard in your household. (laughs) Ta-da! Okay, we have been talking for a long time. This is my last question. What are the three key issues that fathers say they are experiencing that keep them from being included in their children's lives? Number one, access. We don't have access. Simple as that. The law does not give us access, does not guarantee. It guarantees we have to pay, but it does not give us access to our children. Two, the communication skills to be able to understand on both sides, because I promise you, if the mother is a mature individual that understands the the, the relief that she gets mm-hmm. from stress and anxiety and mm-hmm. depression that could overtake her by being overwhelmed by allowing mm-hmm. dad to take the kids mm-hmm. And let him do not harmful things because nobody is for abuse. No one. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody that's like, hey, let's abuse kids. That's crazy. Um, So, again, like I said, take it in context. A father to be able to be a father in the children's lives to make sure that she is able to experience the fullness of parenting from a relaxed standpoint as well. So access, understanding with communication, and three I'll just say variable Um, because every circumstance is different. Every circumstance is different. Finances are some, um, you know, there's, there's education, there's some, and this is why organizations like birthright get. So I would say the third one is to get involved, get involved in an organization where you can have an opportunity to either be mentored or mentor. Okay. But the question was, Mm -hmm. what are they experiencing that keep them from being included? So are you saying that by being included in birthright, that they then then that then would assist in giving them access? 100 percent. Okay. Okay. 100 percent. Because, see, when they can't see their child because they're paying child support Mm -hmm. and then that takes up to 35 to 45 percent of their check, Mm -hmm. then they can't work overtime or second job because then the courts take that money as well. So there's no incentive for them to try to get out of debt or get out of uh, or to get current. Um, Then they have to then on top of that, pay $80 for every two hours if they have to do supervised visits, not counting attorneys and court fees if they have those things. Birthright is one of the places that they can come to get help with that. Well, and I want to talk about that in our next segment because uh, um, my understanding is that a father has to establish paternity, Mm -hmm. set up um, child support. Mm -hmm. And establish the custody. Uh So whether it's going to be 50-50, those three things have to be done in order for a father to have full access to their child. But we'll talk about that in a different, at our next episode too. Hold hold on, but but I want to say I I love that. And I understand the understanding with communication. And I always tell the ladies in my my program, it takes two mature Mm. people to parent and to 
be husband and wife. Being a wife has been the most difficult thing I've ever had to do in my whole entire life. Oh, yeah. Even more difficult than being a single parent. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so I get that. And then the best thing, my oldest daughter's father and I, I was 15 when I had her. I can count the number of real conversations that we had on one hand. My uh, daughter died eight years ago, and I, when me and my husband started to finish raise my grandson, he was 10 at the time, and my daughter's father told me the most important thing he's ever told me in our 42 years of relationship. He said, Lisa, let your husband raise him. You women are ruining these boys. Let's go. So I get that. I get that. But... I had to be a very So just so mature. you know, but means forget everything I no, just said. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not but then. In it, I recognize okay. I had to be a very mature mm. woman mm -hmm. to receive that from him now. And I give him kudos. But that was the one thing mm -hmm. in 42 years that he's done or said to me yeah. that meant the most in our entire life. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Truly my honor. I've enjoyed this. We have to do it again. Anytime. We have to do it again. All right, Jesse, take it away. Thank you all for listening to the James Inc. Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. We look forward to hearing from you and for you to enjoy our future episodes.